Black women need to be publicly celebrated and adorned and loved. We are the backbones of not only our families, but of this country. We get the least amount of respect. We continually get stepped over. Before they get in your business, be in charge of your business. Own it because it's your business, your business, business. Handle all of your business, value all of your business. You say you're minding your business, my business. Memorial Day weekend, good people, and welcome into Montgomery and Company. I'm Renee Montgomery, and listen, I think we all can agree that this weekend we're all going to have heavy hearts for Texas, heavy hearts for Buffalo, just heavy hearts all around. Our thoughts and prayers are with the family, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're also going to talk to L. Duncan. Yes, the Sports Center anchor L. Duncan is in the building. We're going to talk all things to A, the history of sports. She's been here, she's been down. Spoiler alert. Sports in Atlanta are turning up, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we have hot girl news with my sister-in-law, Kay Cruz, coming right up. Tap in. Let's go! Atlanta sports. Oh, Atlanta. Okay, so... We have Elle Duncan on today, and we talked a lot about Atlanta sports, and it made me think a lot about Atlanta sports. And... What I can think of when I first think of it is that people, when you say that, there used to be a negative connotation that comes along with that. You know, people always just say, yeah, Atlanta sports. And it was like the punchline of every joke. Yeah, Atlanta sports. You remember the Super Bowl? Yes, we remember the Super Bowl. We could not forget that Super Bowl. Why? Because you guys won't let us forget it. But let's talk a little bit about sports here in the A because that's what I'm changing it to is like sports in the A is looking a lot different these days. And I wanted to ask somebody like Elle because she's been here through it all. You know, like she's been here through the good, the bad and the ugly. I came here 15, maybe 16 years ago. So maybe I'm late to the party, but we got to start talking differently about sports in the A. Why? Because we know this year the Hawks, okay, didn't make it as far as they did the year before. But we know that the upside looks good. Okay, let's even take the Atlanta Dream. We know that the Atlanta Dream now, last year, maybe it wasn't where we needed to be. But this year, we're sitting at the top of the ranks with the number one pick. A little different sports in the A. Let's keep on going if we want to talk about UGA and everything going on there. National champions, if you weren't keeping up. Sports in the A. I know I'm going to keep saying this so that y'all can realize sports in the A is starting to look a little bit different. What up, United? What up, Falcons? I think that sports is looking different. And so sports fans are the hardest ones to convince that sports look different because sports fans can't help to think about what sports looked like before. But the A looks a little different now. Wouldn't we all agree? I think that sports in the A needs to be talked about a little differently. No, we haven't won all the championships that we would love to win. No, we aren't the Celtics when it comes to organizations. No, we aren't the Lakers. No, we aren't the Minnesota Lynx. No, we aren't those teams yet. But sports in the A is starting to look a little bit different. And I think we should start talking about it different. And okay, okay, okay. You know, I'm not trying to be too serious on y'all because we are turned up here with the dream, but I just want y'all to talk to us nice, okay? And speaking of every dream game, we're going to have a MoCo guest list where it's going to be just some who's who that come and sit with us and hang with us and enjoy the festivities. Last game, we had Sunny Digital, racks on racks on racks. You already know he got hits for days on a Tuesday. 
Y'all know Sunny Digital and good luck to Sunny Digital because I know that you're going to enter a new endeavor where he's not just a producer, he's a rapper as well. So respect the Sunny Digital. And also we're going to have guests every week. Soraya's coming through. Next game is going to be lit. So Atlanta Dream, we're turning up here in Atlanta. scared of humans in a sense of how random this feels but I'm also scared that maybe this isn't random I was seeing some tweets and obviously everything is speculative basically hearsay I saw a tweet that said we all need to start paying attention because when the chats and they were they were referencing the chats that happen on I don't know on the platforms to where these people plan things like they plan the January 6th insurrection but these are happening on certain chats and they were saying that those chats before the January 6th attack, they were all saying out loud that the January 6th attack was coming. Everybody was talking about it out loud and nobody was really taking it serious. And then now fast forward to now where somebody was saying the chats are now saying that these two attacks, Buffalo and now Texas school shooting, they're saying that this is just the beginning. And so I'm like, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Then you have politicians saying, what are some people saying, Cole, that you were telling us about? We don't need more gun control. We need to return to God. So basically, don't touch the gun laws. Let's just pray for them. That's what basically is being said. So then you have those people who just feel like they basically don't care. I feel like I say they basically don't care. They'd rather the children be martyrs for the gun control. That's what that is. I want to know, like, what gives her the right to even comment on that situation? Like, did she have a child that was lost in that tragedy? And so I think that it's just incredibly insensitive to commentate on that right after it happens without even having personal experience with it. You can't tell these parents that lost their children, oh, just return to God. Like, our country needs to do something about this problem that we have. We're having mass shootings every other week. Literally, we just had a a shooting in Buffalo, New York. I wouldn't even say that people are becoming desensitized. I think that people are becoming more enraged. Like, we saw Steve Kerr breaking down during during his press conference, and he was saying he, he, he came to tears talking about how our country needs to do something about what's happening. So for her to say, oh, don't worry about that. It's not the gun laws. Just pray about it. Like, first of all, we never stop praying. And second of all, it is a a problem that our country needs to address. Other countries, I I, I was reading up on stats of other countries. Some uh, countries don't even allow their residents or even the police force to even have guns. So just automatically their crime rate related to guns is going to be lower than America. So they can't say that stricter gun control is not going to help the situation. Well, I heard on the news today, they had an interview with the family uh, member of the person who developed whatever this um, military gun is, said he did not make it for normal people. He made it for the army. He said he was a gun enthusiast. He never owned one of the guns that he made and that he would be very, very upset today if he knew that his invention was in the hands of normal people who were killing civilians. You know what? And, and let me just tell you, I, my Facebook feed, I got off today. I, I made a comment and then I scrolled through a couple people's uh, 
you know, comments on Facebook and I was disgusted. Um, first of all, because there are people saying that, you know, this is not a guns issue. This is a people issue, but people have the guns. That's how stupid you are. I saw that on somebody's timeline, but people have the guns. So if you can't control the people, then why give them the gun? That's my thought process in that. The second part of that is, is that he said, I don't care what anybody says. They don't need to mess with the gun laws. There's nothing wrong with the gun laws. And his literal words were, I will die on that hill. And I was like, base, and I basically was like, you don't have to. Our children are the ones dying on that hill. You're mm. sitting on Facebook talking about what hill you're dying on, but you're not putting your money where your mouth is because you're sending these kids into schools every day and you're giving these guns to lunatics. And you're and, making and, it and, accessible for people. And, yes. And you're giving them to lunatics and then saying, well, it's the lunatics fault that they're the ones shooting up the schools. Well, fine. But this is people. You can't right. see, who who carries guns. People carry guns. I've who seen one animal. I've, I've seen one other thing in this world carry a gun but a person. So I don't understand why they say it's it's not a gun problem. It's a people problem. We're the only ones carrying guns. What are you talking about? So that and then the thing is, is that if you want to Facebook and you have things to say, first of all, if you know that you're not going to speak out and help this situation, just be still and be quiet. Just right. just be quiet. Why do you say anything? You know, you're not going to vote against the law. You know, and people in Congress, those ones in Congress like Marjorie Taylor Greene, if she knows she's not going to challenge the law or help make the law, then just shut up. Anybody ask you? Just be exactly. quiet. Especially while people are grieving. It's like let people grieve exactly. and be angry. Let them be angry. So what? You're not gonna do anything anyway. So done. These guns, the police don't have them, security doesn't have them. They had to have a special forces person come in to take care of this situation. Regular police couldn't fight the guy because he had more. Yeah, than... they thought he had like body armor. They thought oh, he, he had like a... He had that Kevlar on and all of that. No, they said that he didn't have, he only had like a little bitty little thing. They said that he didn't actually have what the cops thought he had and that, you know, like he no, was well, just... he was good because he even shot the special forces person. He didn't kill him, but he got him, you know, before he was able to take him I out. I think they're so. training. Like, I, that's what I'm trying to say. I don't think that, like, I think that... I think that this is way more calculated. You know, they said that he this is all allegedly, but that he allegedly wrote a message to a girl in L.A. I'm, I'm assuming somebody he might have been like talking to or something before that. These attacks like the the Buffalo guy wrote a manifesto like these attacks are premeditated, not at the spur of the moment. These are calculated terrorist attacks like these are actual like everybody because i know we see these 18 year old boys and it's like yeah man it's tough these kids are so impressionable and that while they are at the same time this impressionable kid they have days to change their minds They're not kids okay these, not these, kids. these men Adults. have days to change their minds and so it's like if they're if you really are impressionable there's so many things that tell you not to do what they did there's so many things that tell you that this is not the way to handle things. And then to write out a manifesto to say, look, I did it. And this is why I did it. That's like to me, that's scary because it's like they don't care that they're like he knew when he was typing that out or writing that out that I'm going to jail forever or I could be dead by the time people read this. But I still feel this strongly to do it. That's what scares me the most. It's like how many 
men, because they grow men at this point, how many men feel this way and how many men are ready to die about it? Because that's kind of what they're doing. We're trending now. It might change. Our whole society might change. I read something about this because, you know, we have the thing about, you know, minorities and police or whatever, you know, the the scary part of when there's an interaction between those two. Well, if there's something going on on the Internet and they're telling all of these young white males to do this and the only way that you can deal with them is when the situation is going on is kill them. Well, they're not going to like it after a while, after so many young white males are having to be taken out with this craziness. so Well, let me just let, I'm going to say, tell you another thing that's making me sick to my stomach and I'm sick of saying it, is we're going to stop generalizing all these 18-year-old mentally ill children. They keep saying kids, a boy. He's, at, at this point, you they, they're doing that so that it makes it the narrative a lot less. Yeah. Like it was a kid killing a kid, not a grown man killing a kid. They're saying, you know, this 18-year-old kid, He's not 18. I mean, he's not he's not a kid. He's 18. If, I mean, if he commits a crime at 18 and it wasn't this crime, he would be charged as an adult. He wouldn't be charged as a child. So stop saying an 18 year old kid, because then it's downplaying. It's like almost like, oh, a grown man didn't do this. It was a kid with a gun. And it makes it seem like more like an accident more than a direct threat or a direct. They make it seem like it's not as more innocent than when, it is. If yeah, you say kid, like anytime you hear, hear the kid. word kid, you yeah. think of innocent. Yeah, like they're in somebody's house and they pick up a gun, they accidentally shoot each other or somebody shoots it. That's, they they act like that's a kid. So you keep on saying, you know, this 18-year-old kid is on the internet. He's not a kid. Stop. They just need to stop. And, and I realized that when... 18-year-old kids that are black kids are running from the police, they're not kids. You know, this 18-year-old, he's he's running. They don't leave off the age differentiation of child, adult, kid. They just say 18-year-old. So they just they just say, bam. So the first thing people hear is, oh, he's a grown man running. You know, they want to make it seem like he's more an adult if he's doing something that's they don't think is such a bad thing to do. But when it's a terrible thing like this, all of a sudden they're a kid. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There, there was actually something on that I saw on, on social media. They were doing literally like side by side comparisons of like headlines. And and you're right. You know, if it, if it was a black 18 year old or 19 year old or whatever, it would be classified as a man, you know, to make them seem more menacing. And then if it was a white kid, like you said, it would be like, oh, 18-year-old teen or Poor whatever, baby. you know, and they literally showed it side by yep. side. It was Where like various the best photos they could find. Look, you you see the photos that they be using for people, like it's, it's just dramatic. Like it's yeah. not even close. And I saw some, look, y'all know I live on Twitter. So I always, I saw some tweets that people were saying that like, it's harder to buy baby formula than to buy a gun at this point and that obviously that's there's apples and oranges compared here but the point is that like the people that are pro guns if you're pro guns why are you so opposed to a background check or a certain age it's like if everybody's mentally stable and there's nothing in your background check you will get that gun but it's like the people that are so pro gun that don't want background checks and don't want things to change it's like are you good like what's wrong like i don't i don't get nervous if people have a get a background check on me to get something i'm like oh yeah yeah i understand i had, when i went to the white house they said <laughs> i had to get a background check of course I did. Right, yeah. And I'm yeah. not mad about it because yeah. there's nothing to find. So what is everybody so concerned about that if you got it? Like, 
I don't understand that even if you are pro guns, what's so concerning about just checking up on people to make sure that they should have it? Like, that's the thing that I'm missing where it's like it's too accessible, even for people who are mentally unstable, you know, and and Cole brought up Facebook. I actually saw your post, Cole, and um, it actually made me tear up a little bit because I felt the same exact way with Angel, you know, because I'm glad he's out of school as a parent. You can't help but to internalize that feeling. My heart drops just Mm -hmm. just thinking about it. You can't help but to internalize that feeling of, oh, my God, that could have been my child. God forbid. You know, so right after yours, I saw another person, another person literally with your same exact uh, uh, sentiment. I just dropped off my kids in school and I can't help but to think of those kids in Texas. So, like, seriously, I I can't even imagine the pain that those parents are feeling right now. My deepest condolences to all the parents and all the family members in Texas is this is just so sad. Amen. And one last thing I want to say is also what I saw on a lot of the teachers are saying that these kids are in school. They're terrified. I mean, because trauma. it is a trauma. They're traumatized because as soon as there's a shooting, what do they have to go through? They have to go through shooter in place drill or, you know, they have to go through drills again because it just reminds the schools, don't keep your guard, don't have your guard down. You have to have things in place. So these kids are terrified. You know, you got to act out in order for you to know how to defend yourself. You have to act out as if it's happening. Crazy. It's like a fire drill. Like we weren't scared of a fire drill, but this is crazy. Renee actually saw a tweet about that, that they were doing a drill and they couldn't f- actually find hiding places. This, uh, this kid actually said, um, yeah, all the kids take all the all the good hiding spots. That's a real situation that can actually happen if there's an active shooter. You know, like all the good hiding spots. He was, this is like a, a sixth grader saying that. Was it a sixth grader or something No, it was like a that? third grader. I'm a sorry, third it was a grader. third grader. Okay, yeah. This was an actual kid talking about, yeah, we did a drill in school today, but it was hard because everybody took all the good hiding spots. So imagine if that was a real situation situation where there was an active shooter that's you know like like you said the kids are tra- are traumatized everyone in a school system whether it's uh, elementary or college i know at our institution because of shootings on college campuses that they came through and they put locks on all of the classroom doors which is good because my back is to the door when i'm teaching and so whenever anybody at 5 minutes after the time for class time to start my door is locked. So if you were late for class, you're not going to just walk in behind me. And the other thing I wanted to say, Renee, is that research, if we believe the research or the data that's been out there from where they polled the American public, 80 to 90 percent of the people are in favor of that background check. So the people who are not in favor of it are the people who are getting the money from the NRA and other gun groups. That's our legislators. And so they're not listening to what their people are saying to them. They're going on what they want to do because they want the power. So research says 80 to 90 percent of gun owners, not just the American public, gun owners favor background checks. So. Because if they want their guns, you're going to get your guns. You know, if you want them, you're going to get yeah. them. You just need to go through a Exactly. Check. Exactly. It's so easy to get. That's the premise of it. It's like, if you have nothing to hide, let me tell you, you get a background check to get a job these days. So mm-hmm. you right. have to go through all these things to get a job. You have to go, you have to get, you have to go get a drug test. They want to know where you've been, where you work. Do you have a criminal background? Do you have a criminal history? Or have you been arrested? So why are we so astringent. You have to do more to get a, I mean, you have to, the laws are so like for everything else. You can't even get a dog now these days without a background check, but you have a bat, but you're afraid to get a background check for people who are, who are 
asking for guns. I it just doesn't yeah. make any sense. And you know, Snook said something too that reminded me. In college, they actually have a new thing now where the college campuses, all the doors have to automatically lock behind a teacher. They just automatically lock so you can't open them from the outside. And they made that new thing because of active shooters. Like, so just the fact that that even has to be in place, I didn't even know that until my last year in college. And when I found that out, I felt at risk and I never even thought about that before. I was like, oh my God, I didn't even know that we were at risk. I don't even think about that as a student, you know? So the fact that, that they even have to implement something like that because of that risk is, is mind blowing to me. Well, my students told me that, don't worry if somebody were to come through the door, we got your back. I said, yeah, we're locking this door because (laughs) y'all are no, we got table. each other's back. And ain't nobody getting yeah. in here. I'm the first person they're coming to. So I'm the one that's going to be gone. So. I just really like we just got to do better. Like I saw a tweet again. I'm on. I'm in these Twitter streets. I saw a tweet that said like there is no other countries that deal with the amount of mass shootings and the amount of things that we deal with in this category. So why is it so hard for us to get it together in this category? Like as a community and and. I don't know the answers. It's not as simple as a background check. I know it's not as simple as that. I know it's not as simple as changing the age. I know it's not as simple as those things. Like we understand that those things aren't going to stop all of the mass shootings, but we are just saying those things will make it way harder for the people that want to do those type of terrorist attacks. That's a, that's an attack. Like that's an attack here. So those things are going to make it difficult. The last shooter, he was 18 years old. It's legal for him to get a gun. It's legal for him to do that. So we're not saying that it's going to solve all of the problems, but we're saying that we got to start taking some steps to get there. First of all, no AR-15s. We don't need them. No, no. Just think about if we could, if you had a Glock and yes, you could shoot, but so many shots, but you got to reload. You know how many people would be saved if it wasn't that particular type of gun? You can accidentally kill 50 people with that gun by mistake. The thing would just fire off and you just, I mean, it doesn't matter. There's no need for that gun. Like you said, the police don't even have it. Why do you right. have it? The police and, and think about this. You got something that our actual police don't have. So you got a criminal that has something that the police don't have. They should have the best. Like the police should be able to t- protect us at all costs. You got police officers. They got to call in special services because he got something that y'all don't have. It's like in the U.S., Thank you, VP, for this nugget. So the U.S. has seen more than 200 mass shootings not involving schools in 2022. And then the tragedy in Texas marks the 27th shooting of a K through 12 school in 2022. Wow. Let that sink in. We're in like 2022. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I, I just can't even think about it. It just I can't. Really, it makes my it makes my it makes heart hurt. Definitely, yeah. And then the thing is, I'm like, y'all just need to shut the schools off, shut the schools down. That's enough. Enough is enough. Close the schools up for the rest of the year. Because why? This is this is just getting to the point where now these kids towards it's the end of trend. school are just going to be almost ter- like a trend. Yeah, the copycatters now. Yeah. Dave Chappelle actually talked about that too. He was making a joke in his SNL monologue, but he he hit on something. He was like, yeah, you know, uh, schools were remote for a second. We saw the crime rate go down. He's like, I'm honestly scared of the kids going back because if you think about it, there was a mass shooting every other week. And Mm. he literally said that, you know, and everybody was quiet because they know that he actually hit on something there. Well, this gentleman's parents said that they had no idea. His aunts and uncles said this was just totally 
out of the norm for him. So, I mean, a know, lot of people say that people don't know that what their kids are doing. They're talking to somebody. They're radicalized on the internet, and then maybe the people on the internet are figuring out a way to cash app them or you know zell them money when they say they want to. You know, if you are uh, are trying to build your camp on all of this stuff, and you have a young crazy who says, "Well, well you got to also think about too video games, college." duty things of that nature while i know that people don't like to hear it but some of them games be wild graphic like we have to tell junior he can't play them mature rated games because these games look real like graphics have gotten so good that things look a lot real yes it's animation and all of that but sometimes when i even watch commercials for video games i'll be thinking it's a movie and i then mean like, if you can a, learn how to if you have sl- flight simulation where you can learn how to fly a plane with a flight simulator imagine these these simulations with these guns and in call of duty and and you know all these games that you know they actually feel like they're shooting people you know that's and no the point every of kid it. is not going to go be a mass shooter but what we're saying is that when they they do this it every single promotes day. a little bit of violence. It though. desensitizes them to yeah, people leaving. They're, the they're radicalized online. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they dug deep enough and followed the money that they found out some of these groups that are way out there. This gentleman tells them he's interested in doing that. Say, oh, we got a young, crazy one here. Mm-hmm. Let's just go ahead and get the money to him and see if he's going to carry out like the people, the manifesto for the people in Buffalo. He'd already been out there talking about it, planning it or whatever who's to say that you know uh someone didn't give him the money to be able to go ahead and do that definitely so we'll end with this man we just as a society can we do better like i don't know how or or where it's going to start or when but we just we just got to do better government do better So when you get the opportunity to have Elle Duncan come have a seat, we asked her a little bit of everything. And because we asked her a little bit of everything, we went a little long. So we got Elle all day today because we wanted to talk all things Elle Duncan, a.k.a. all things Atlanta. Let's go. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. L. Duncan, and that might mean a lot of different things. People know you as the ESPN host that is doing all of ESPN, everything. You <laughs> killed it at the draft. I want to say the WNBA draft and all of that. You guys absolutely killed it. It was beautiful, amazing. We have the ATL sports fan, L. Duncan, too. So that means a lot to us as well, sitting yes. here. So, L, first of all, happy belated birthday. You said you're counting. I wasn't going to say the age, but you said you're counting. So happy 
What year was it? 39, baby girl. 39. 39. Let's go. Come through. 39 and fine. Like, whatever. You know, I love it. I love getting older. It is, it's amazing. It's such a blessing. And I honestly thought, it's not like I'm some elevated person that has evolved. Um, I just think that like it's such a blessing to continue to get older, to see my kids get older, and to grow into myself. Like every year, I feel like I'm getting to know myself better. And so um, I'm gonna enjoy my last year in my 30s, and then I'm gonna embrace being 42 and everything that it will have to offer. Absolutely. Listen, 40s the new 30. Every year it's going backwards. Okay, so that's <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yes, exactly. yes, yes. So how long would you say you've been an Atlanta sports fan? Just how long? Yeah, my entire life. Uh, I'm from Atlanta, well, outside of Atlanta. It's funny because, Renee, so you're there, right? You're still yep. in Atlanta. And so when you tell people you're from Atlanta, right, they'll be like, oh, okay. And if they know anything about Atlanta, they'll say, well, like, what part, you know? And then I'll say, have you ever heard of Marietta? And they're like, yeah, actually, I have. Or they'll say no, and I'll just sort of leave it there. If they have heard of Marietta, I'll then go, okay, awesome. Have you ever heard of Powder Spoon? <laughs> <laughs> So I just keep going down the rabbit hole of small country towns until you get to the one where I'm from. Um, and so uh, so I, I'm from like the Marietta, Powder Springs area. So the Burbs for sure. And we've always been football fans, baseball fans. Like I grew up on the Braves. You know, my childhood was spent collecting as many like Braves ice cream helmet things as you could get, Dope. as many pennants as I could get from my wall. Like most of my memories of being young are wrapped up in the superstitions that we had when we watched Braves games oh. every single day on TBS. You know, with my mom. And it's crazy that the Braves moved close to Marietta. I mean, it's still like Atlanta area. Exactly. Close. I mean, hilarious. I still call it Marietta. Right. That's still Marietta to me. It is. <laughs> They're definitely the Marietta Braves. Like, I could not believe. <laughs> I could not believe when they were moving. And they just kept using the technicality that it is technically Atlanta. I'm like, not real. Like, I mean, does, it, anybody, does anybody ever tell you, oh, that's not Atlanta? But like, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and they do. And I get it. It's a suburb of Atlanta. Like, I'm from a suburb of Atlanta. My husband is from East Point. Oh, okay. He's like, I'm from Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta. I'm like, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You know, you know, it's a big culture war between inside the perimeter oh, and outside the perimeter. Know. So shouts to Amaretta. See? So I'm an OTPer. And so they're, they're very territorial about being uh, from inside the perimeter. But yeah, the Braves moved to my backyard, basically. Okay, so that's why I wanted to ask you because you've been a sports fan your whole life because you're born and raised here. What has the progression been like for the Atlanta sports fan? Because now we're coming off of the Braves World Championship. The Bulldogs won. The Hawks went on to a late run last year, this year, back in the playoffs. The Dream got the number one pick in the draft rebuilding. So, like, you can take us through that progression of everyone always talks about that Super Bowl that we know about. But can you just take us through the progression (laughs) of, like, the Atlanta sports fandom. Well, it's so funny, Renee. I was just literally telling one of my friends that's also in Atlanta sports, long-suffering. I was like, we don't even have an identity anymore because we're champions. Like, <laughs> now our new identity, now my new identity, I used to just be like insufferable and sad and like pessimistic. And now my new identity is to just be irrationally confident. Like, I'm just like, oh, we winning. Like, oh, I already know because we champions. Everything we touch, we win. Yes. And so this is weird for me because my whole life, it's just been like, you know, we had the Braves early on in 
my life. And I think I took for granted and a lot of people did like what it was like to always be really, really, really good because we never were great enough to win a championship, right? We get the one for the Braves and like we were always good, but we never did that. And the Falcons, like Mike Vick got them popping even when they went to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? But Mike Vick got the city popping. They were alive. The dome was rocking, but we still like could never get over that hump. You know, the Hawks, like they traded away like the greatest Hawk of all time, right? And even when we were going, I worked for the Hawks and I was a sideline reporter for them for about seven, eight seasons. Oh, nice. And during that time, we were consistently good. Like we were still, you know, in the Joe Johnson years, the Josh Smith years, Marvin Williams, like all those guys. We were going to the playoffs. It's just that, I don't know. The city just didn't wrap their arms around them. I don't, I don't know why, right? Like I don't, I don't have some like deep answer as to why. It just feels like now, Renee, and you're there, right? You're an owner. Like you get it. It feels like Atlanta's yes. hot. Like mm, it yes. feels like Atlanta's a place that people are choosing to come now where it was never that way. We had to compete with it's a small market. Fans don't care. No one cares. Like you'll never be the biggest star that you can be in Atlanta. And I just feel like that's changing because of this recognition that like that's where champions are born and made and they can stay there and having names like you invest in Atlanta to see the moves that you're making to make yourself better to make this team better make it a splashy move with the draft on <laughs> um to see like Trey Young like you know what I mean yeah. really embrace the city and want to be like it's I don't know it just feels like a changing of the guard I love it I was tired of being miserable you're making me feel that Atlanta pride right now we need to have you in yes. like an Atlanta promo or something at the airport because like <laughs> you're making me feel the pride yes like that's what I was trying to get at so I wasn't, you know, I've been in Atlanta for 15 years. You know, a lot of people don't even know. I like my second year in the league, I bought a house here. So I've been in Atlanta for a while, but you've been here your whole life. So I'm really, I was really curious, like, how do people that's been through the good, the bad and the ugly feeling, you kind of hit it right on the head in a sense of like, there's a new wave, like even at State Farm, like, I don't know what it was like during your era. That's what I was saying when you were doing sideline. But it's curious to see because the fans are like all in now. What do we do? Because we know we we have the ability to win championships because the Braves. So I'm glad that you kind of summed that all up because I was really curious about that. Listen, the truth is whenever people talk about Atlanta sports fandom or what that looks like or this, that, and the other, I always say the thing with Atlanta is it's not even that they're fair weather fans. It's that it's a transplant city. So a lot of people are not from here and there's a lot to yeah. do, right? And so you're going to pick and choose your battles when it comes to that traffic, right? And so there's so much to do that the Hawks specifically always needed to be really entertaining. And I give them credit. Like even when I was there the year after they won 12 games, like, so it was as bad yeah, as it got, right? But like bad. even then, it was bad. always just an eye for entertainment. There was always just a reason to pull them in the building. The dream when they like, I remember when the dream launched and like, it was always about entertaining fans. It was a place that you could come. And I think that now you get the entertainment and the product is great. And so it's really the best of both worlds now. You know, I talked a little bit about you covered the WNBA draft and I absolutely loved it. It was fresh. It was new. We don't usually get that much coverage. So what was that process like in a sense of, I know with ESPN, you guys do, you guys do a lot, you know, Like you cover a lot and you do a lot, but ESPN carved out some time to give to the WNBA. So can you just talk about the draft and covering it and everything that was going on there? Yeah. So, um, so we did, so I did the women's tournament and then right after most of our crew ended up doing the WNBA draft. I think that like, honestly, so what I loved, I loved Dawn Staley when we, she joined us on the desk after they won the Natty. And what I loved what she said was that like, thanks ESPN for your coverage. And like, you definitely give us more than other people don't, but still 
we need more, right? We need competition. We need people fighting for these rights yeah. to own women's basketball. We need that because that's what elevates um, everybody, how much spending they bring in, how much advertising they bring in, how many sales, like all of those are important ingredients. And I love that she said that because I think you're right. I think that ESPN, like they're no dummies. Like they want to be involved in a part of things that are important and it's not rocket science, right? Like if you build it, they will come. If you give these women the platform, they're going to, people are going to show up. If you tell them why these storylines are compelling the same way we do, listen, Renee, like Half the year when we don't have a lot going on, our whole job is to just spin, you know, shit into sugar. (laughs) And we we somehow get so creative with how to spin a Wednesday night baseball (laughs) game in May, which does not matter at all, basically, to the schedule. But we find a way to make those things compelling when it comes to win men. But it feels like so many people in sports, when it comes to women, it's like, they don't know what to do. Do the same thing that you do on the men's side. Like, dig deeper. Find those storylines. Exactly. Give people a reason to watch. Because the product will speak for itself once they come. It's just about getting them in the door. And I think that ESPN has just continued to see that. And they're giving them a platform. It was so funny when we were doing the post uh, show after the national championship. At some point, Rebecca Lobel looks at me and goes, are we still on ESPN one right now? I was like, yes, <laughs> That's we are. Big. That's a like, legitimate question. Yeah, right? She was like, damn, like, wow. I was like, I know. I mean, they really wrapped their arms around it this year. And you know what? The results were there. The numbers were huge. The viewership was there. And now it'll continue to grow and more fans will come in and we'll have more hours on the main networks. And like, that's how it works. And you're, and you're a big part of that because the way that you cover women's sports, I mean, it makes us want to watch it. So, you know, so we, we thank you for all your coverage that you do with the yes, W. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's for so real. No, it matters that an L Duncan wants to do yeah. the draft or wants yeah, to cover definitely. the women's tournament because you do have that name. You do have that following. And that also makes me think about how honestly with journalism, how social media, has changed how journalism is done. So we talk about this a lot because it's all about, a lot of times now it's about getting out the story first and different things. So just from your perspective, you've been in the game a long time. How has journalism almost shifted or changed now that social media is at the the forefront? Yeah, well, the problem is, is that the lines have been completely blurred. We have got to stop painting journalism with some big broad brush, right? Like it is not, right? Journalists are people who went to journalism school and like they're really guided by the principles of journalism, right? And there are very specific rules to journalism. I was a mass comm major. I specialized in journalism. I would not call myself a journalist. That is not what I do. I'm an entertainer. You have to understand the difference between analyst, entertainer, journalist, reporter. They are different. They are different. Now, all of them can lean to the principles of journalism, right? And there are certainly things that I do in my approach and like how I do sports center or how I do women's coverage or really how I do anything. And I am guided by certain principles, but mostly like I am there to editorialize and a, a true journalist would never do that. And so you've got to stop saying like journalism is dead and you've just got to remember that you're not looking for it in the right places anymore. Like there are places that you go and you find that and you get that, right? But you can't expect that a place that starts with the E in entertainment is not going to have a beautiful mix of both. And the problem is is that at a place like ESPN, there are so many different kinds of people here that we sort of all get painted with the same broad stroke. And people will use those things to dog whistle and criticize as if journalism is somehow, you know, suffering. And the truth is, is that 
People have to stop grifting as journalists and just say who and what they are. Like, I'm an entertainer, right? That's and so, dope, and that's yeah. just it. I am here to entertain. I don't consider myself an expert at anything. I'm just here to entertain you. And hopefully, I can do that. And if not, I'm entertaining myself. <laughs> but that's different than some of the people that I work with, like a Jeremy Schapp, who is a true journalist and who would never stand up here and editorialize. That's why he's not on Around the Horn. Like, do you get what, yes. I'm, what I'm saying? And so, I just yeah, want you. no, I think that's right. actually very, no, I think you're bringing up something that people don't really know the difference okay so you're an entertainer and you add and when you say editorial can you explain what that would mean to somebody that doesn't know what you're saying right so anytime you editorialize is when you are giving your opinion right one of the main principles of journalism is that you are completely subjective that you have no opinion on anything right you present the story both sides of the story and you let the people at home make the decision on what but when you are a personality, when you are paid to be a personality, when you're doing those things, right? When you're Stephen A. Smith, people are paying for your conjecture, for your humor, for your opinion. It's literally the point. Yeah. You know, like the point is to to listen to what you think. And so it's very different than than writing something for, you know, the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times as a journalist. It's very different how you cover stories, how you approach stories. We can all live in the same ecosystem and not have the same job and also not be judged the same way. No, that is really good to hear because I think that like in this social media era where you have people DMing athletes saying they're journalists or people talking, breaking stories, reporters after the games asking questions that now people can build a whole media group right now and say they're a media group and then maybe get a credential and ask. So I think that a lot of times what's going on in the media with athletes is athletes feel like there's a lot of people coming at them at one time. It could be an entertainer. It could be a reporter. It could be just somebody from social media. And then what starts to happen is what you see with athletes that don't want to answer any more questions because you have certain people that have asked them questions that maybe a journalist wouldn't have asked, but it's just a person from social media. So now it's starting to mess up because now it's saying, well, What's going to happen to the entertainment industry or journalism if the athletes are only going to respond on their own platform? So what are your thoughts about like how now athletes are almost taking all the stories to their own platforms? Yeah, it's listen, it's very difficult because you're right. Like it's sort of the duality of the relationship, the symbiosis of the relationship between the athlete and the media is that we both lean on each other, right? We do in various ways. And while, you know, neither one of us love dealing with each other all the time, neither one of us want to be beholden to the other one either, but that is the reality of it, right? That like, I need something to write about and I need you to do your thing. So I am lucky in that I'm in a position where, again, my job is not tied up at all with my relationships with athletes. There's so much finessing and massaging of that relationship between a reporter and an athlete so that they can get those incredible stories. Like I see reporters that do it so well and the insight that they get because of the trust that they built, like those things are important and they're longstanding, but like I don't do that. I am... I'm just speaking my mind about what you do and, and and I don't need any any deeper information. I understand why the athlete wants to feel more empowered and emboldened now to tell their story in the way that they want to tell it. And I think that there is room for that, but there will always be space for someone else to be completely objective. And I think that that's going to be uh, important as well. Um, earlier when I said that my job as a journalist is to be subjective, I meant objective, obviously. Okay, got um, it. Uh, <laughs> right, like, <laughs> I should have no opinion is what I mean. And so, and I think that's important because no matter what, like if you see it, if you see Kevin Durant talking about Kevin Durant's legacy on kevindurant.com. Yeah, I'm <laughs> biased. Right, like, and so it is important that you that you have, I just think that we've got to understand that everyone's just here to do a job and maybe 
maybe care a little bit less about what people think? You know, does it really matter to you what the beat writer from blah, 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 dot com thinks about your game? Does that really inform how you play? Is it that significant? And, and I am of the yoke that if it means that he can write about me and I'm in a position to be so blessed that he's writing about me and that helps pay for his kid's college, then like, does it, you know, there's a, a line between being cruel, but I also think that like, there is a space for all of us to, to do it, to get our story out there, but also work together. There has to be. More L. Duncan coming up. And was I the only one that didn't know that L. Duncan could sing like that? It's coming up. love how you use social media okay i saw one time your flight was delayed you were coming from disney you had the kids with you i followed the whole saga i mean i went through the whole thread i'm curious like in jobs like ours where we're all in the forefront how are you with information you want to give social media and information that you're like no this is this is my world and i'm going to keep this part to me i struggle with that so much, Renee, because I really like I hear people when they're like, you know, it's about building a brand and da, 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 and all of that gives me the heebie-jeebies anyway. <laughs> I legitimately I, like all of it is just too much. I'm a classic overthinker. And it's sort of like a neurosis when I think about the things I should be doing and I'm not doing. At the end of the day, my husband always says something. He said something to me when we first started dating and it sticks to me. It, it stuck to my ribs. You know how people just say something and sometimes you're like, um, and we were somewhere and it was beautiful. And I pulled out my phone to take like a picture or a video that I was going to do nothing with. And he was like, he just lowers my phone and he's like, you know, fire some things for the neurons too. And I was like, yeah, man, like we're we're so busy watching everything like this. And sometimes I just want to be there. I want to be in the moment and I'll look up and I've had this amazing time with my kids that's probably Insta-worthy and I haven't taken a single picture, but I fired some for the neurons that day. And I just think that, um, you know, we feel, again, if social media feels like just another responsibility that day for me, then I just don't do it. I'm at this place in my life where I try to do things that serve my family, that serve my mental health, that serve my peace. If it feels like it's going to be too labor intensive to come up with an awesome TikTok dance that day, I'm just not going to do it. And I might not do it for two more weeks. And then if I do come up with one, cool. Um, I might forget to post it. Like, I'm just kind of that way. And I just listen to the day and I listen to my kids. I try to try to be there, man. I want to be present. I can't always be there with my kids. So when I'm not there, I am there, you know, and that's kind of how I'm guided. My guiding principle is always, do you have five minutes to post something? Because if you don't, don't do it. Don't worry about it. Who cares? I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yes, so I prioritizing love that. is key. Prioritize. Yes. Exactly. Because we, that is, you are speaking my whole life right now. It'll be like, I'll have been in some really dope situations and I'll be like, man, that was so dope. And I forgot that I didn't get a photo and then I'm like, crap, or I didn't get a video. Or if I do go to an event and I do get those videos, I forgot to post them. Then it's a week later and I'm like, oh, should I even post it now? It's like it's old now. And so that's why I'm like, I know that you're busy. You're I want to call you a new mom. But is that a still is it? Can I still call you like a like, okay. sure. <laughs> Yeah, I feel listen, I'm 39 and my mom is still like you're my baby and I'm still a new mom. Yeah. Like it's, we're learning. Okay, every day. I've got true? a four year old and a one year old. Yeah. I'm one sure. year old so and yes. I like I always wonder because I turn on TV and I see you guys on TV all the time what is that balance life like like in a sense of you have to be on TV you have to be super mom 
in the background. But like, what is that like to balance? Listen, I was just having this conversation with a friend literally yesterday. And I said, I said my, these exact words. I'm so glad that you, it was kismet. It was meant to be that you asked me this. I said, people always ask me like, how do you make it work? And I can tell you right now, and the reason that a lot of the work I'm trying to do right now is to help mothers who are not nearly as privileged as me, it takes a mother entire group yep. of people to make this ship go. Like, I am blessed enough to have a nanny who um, I can lean on, who loves my kids like they're hers, who is incredible, who is there for me, who understands boundaries still and does everything she can to support me as a mom, knowing the mom guilt and the balance that I'm trying. And most importantly, I've got two parents that retired at exactly the right time and moved to wow. Connecticut and live 14 minutes up the street and can help wow, me. That's a blessing. And most importantly, I have the best partner. Like, I say this all the time to my girls. I'm like, I don't give a damn if you're 39 or 40 and you're thinking about, oh my God, like, I don't know if I'm going to have kids. Like, da da da. I just, I like settling and like, and being okay with settling. I'm like, you have to understand that your life is so impacted by the partner that you choose. And I have the most amazing husband in the world who has zero ego, who is always there to fill every hole. Like, this man, wherever there's a hole, he's plugging it. He is always there. He serves the role as mom, dad best friend, you know, boo-boo whisper, like he can do everything. And he does it with the best attitude because there are people, especially men, right, who will claim to want to be there and be a really active parent, but then they punish you somehow. There's reservations still for you living your dream. And if my husband did not jump in all the way with me and say, let's do this thing. And I will always be here to make sure that this thing goes. If it wasn't for him, I would not be able to do any of oh, this. Nice. So That's beautiful. He's amazing. And I, it's like black love is so real and it's so real and it's so special when you find it. So I just implore anyone listening, like, please wait. I know, I know it's easy for me with my two kids and my great husband to be like, ah, don't settle. I was there too. I was there crying in the car. Like. Yes, and you you mentioned mom guilt. I, I tell Renee about this all the time. That's a very real thing. Yes. So I guess how do you manage that mom guilt? Because I can I can just imagine working long hours on set. You know, like I I definitely you know I can I can definitely uh, identify with that kind of you know mom guilt and lifestyle. So how do you maneuver around that? Yeah, no, I cry a lot. Look, I do. Like I I um honestly I just try to the thing I've always tried to work really, really hard at is perspective. And so I really try so hard to give myself some grace and cut myself some slack and say that it is egotistical and selfish to think that I can give my kids everything that they need and that I should. It is okay that I can lean on other people they didn't say it takes a village. Nobody just created that because it doesn't. It does take a village and it's okay. It's okay that I can't always be there. I hope that what I'm teaching my kids is that in pursuit of your dreams, you have to sacrifice and you have to make sacrifices. And my sacrifice is I don't always get to be there all the time when I want to be. And I don't always get to have bedtime snuggles. And I don't always get to be there in the morning to take her to school. But when I am there, I am there, right? And I am pursuing my dream. I am trying to teach her balance that you can be a mom and something else and something else and something else. And that's all I'm trying to show both of my kids. And so 
honestly, I just talk myself off the ledge. And again, I have a great partner who always gives me grace and always reminds me of like what I'm balancing and how well I'm serving my family, even when I'm not with my family. And I just try to remember Love that. that. Love that. Roy has yeah. entered the chat. He said, when my wife hears his answer, I'm going to be in big trouble. Sorry, Roy. <laughs> we don't want to get you in trouble. Right, you won't get a, you <laughs> get a lot of people in trouble by that answer, Elle. But I want to just tap on something because you said it was interesting because you said, I know it sounds easy because I found my baby, but you hear this a lot of struggles when working women, high professional working women struggle with finding love because of that balance. So that's awesome that you found yours because that is a real thing that people talk about often. Like where, like, where did you find him? Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, where is he? Where where is he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I went down to the hot man store and I bought, no, I, I, listen, it was weird and it was kismet how I found him, but it's the truth. My biggest thing was you ladies know this male fragility is a real issue. And especially when it comes to my job, they assume that I'm just waiting my time until some, you know, $300 million NBA player scoops me up. I'm like, come on, that's not at all why most of us get into this. Right. And I always had men that would, I, first date, I would say, please don't make me hate my job. Like that is my only deal breaker. I can deal with almost anything else, but don't make me hate my job. I've worked too hard for it. Um, I've, I have too many ambitions and like, I need someone who is going to ride along with me on this and support me. And they would always make me hate my job. I remember my ex before the one, I got a job to be this, the in arena person at NBA all-star in Houston. And it was like an honor because they chose one person every year to do it, depending on where the, you know, yeah, that and so I got deal. chosen yeah, and I was like, yes, like, I got to meet Beyonce. I got to meet oh, Drake. Wow. It was amazing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 25. Like I'm so excited. And they're going to pay me at the time was the biggest bag I'd ever made for working like two days. Right. And it, you know, it wasn't anything major, but at the time it was huge. And I tell my boyfriend this and he literally goes, Oh, I didn't know you were one of those. I was like, one of what? He was like, those girls that like to just hang at NBA All-Star. I was like, no, so I'm just hanging at NBA All-Star now? No way. You know what I mean? And the whole time I was there, it was like a complicated, like I'm having a great time, but I'm getting punished for this. And I knew right then, I was like, this isn't going to work. You can't make me hate my job. And so ladies, you can find someone who will support you. They can check you. Don't get it twisted. It's not like I just get away with murder. You know, there are times where my husband looks at me and is like, are you doing that job to serve your ego? Or would you be better served serving your family with that three hours next Thursday? And I'm like, you're right. Find someone. Love that. Right? A partner that will make sure that knows you and will help guide you in many ways to being the person that you want to be. But do not look for someone that wants to change you because there is someone that will find everything about you, exactly the challenge and the crazy that they're looking for. Wow, I love love that. that. So I have just one more question because you're talking about we're talking about love and family. And so you have a project that's involving love letters. So can you just tell me about that? Why you wanted to do it? What is it? Yeah, I, girl, you know, I'm going to tap my girl with name. Tap, tap, tap in. Disney Publishing through Anscape, which is formerly The Undefeated, we're doing a book called Love Letters to Black Women. It was born of a special that aired on The Undefeated a couple of years ago that was a TV special. And I wrote a letter from my daughter, Eva, at the time they asked me to participate. I wrote a letter to her and it sort of sparked this idea of potentially doing a collection of letters from black women, from white women, from white men, from black men to other black women 
honestly, just to amplify them, we all know why. Like, we all know why Black women need more amplification, why Black women need to be publicly celebrated and adorned and loved um, and celebrated. And I keep saying celebrated because we are the backbones of not only our families, but of this country. We get the least amount of respect. We continually get stepped over passed over, passed on. You know that. Look at the WNBA, Renee. I mean, you guys are true agents of change. And so many other people will get credit, but you all have been in the fight. This was so much more than George Floyd for the ladies at the WNBA. And so that's just like the smallest and most like recent example of Black women consistently. And why is that, right? Because of the league and its makeup. And I just feel like anytime we can talk about sisters and celebrate them and um, talk about our relationships, complicated and not, because this isn't just going to be a collection of like glowing testimonies. Like some of these are real, frank, honest conversations. We're gathering those and collecting them now, and, and um, hopefully we'll have them available very soon for you all to buy and, and gift to the Black woman in your life who you think needs celebrating. I love it. I'm already wow. saying right now, everybody, yeah, we snap for, Cole yeah, started doing snap. the snap. We snap for that. <laughs> Listen, that's going to be, Nicole. if y'all are looking for Christmas gifts, I don't know when it's coming out, but whenever it comes right. out, <laughs> Valentine's Day, any holiday, this is a dope gifting just for anybody in your life. And L now I I saw you when the Braves won. I knew you grew up on the Braves, but when they won, you threw a literal concert. There was a band around you. You were singing. So <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get Grace with some L singing. We have another singer in the platform right now with Serena. So I don't know. Ooh, Serena. Yeah, I don't know. If we, is there any song that's talking to you right now that you would just want to start singing and just singing your heart. I mean, you're in love. Is there a love song right now? You just talked about Ooh, your man and how he, it's a submission competition. He submits to you. You submit to him. Ooh, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Is there anything you got for us before uh, you go? Well, you know what? Okay, I'll sing the song that I love singing to my uh, husband in the kitchen all the time. In fact, I asked, thinking it would be so romantic. We're dancing in the kitchen and the song's playing. And he was like, I was like, wouldn't this be great if this could be our wedding song? Like we could dance to this at our wedding. We we're engaged. And he just stops and he goes, no. <laughs> I was like, and then just grabbed my hand back and kept dancing. I was like, cool story. He's like, I just don't think of it as a wedding song. I was like, all right then. Um, but I do love it. So, um, okay, hold on. Because this is very ambitious of me because it's Stevie Wonder. Okay. Hey, love, may I have a word with you? I'd like to tell you, yeah, yeah. Just what I've been going through When you are near me I go through a change or two Hearing your footsteps I, God, I'm forgetting that Hey love You're my one true soul desire Hey love can't you feel this burning fire? Okay. Hey, yes, oh, yes, wow. yes. Ew, wait a minute. Wow. You have a beautiful <laughs> love voice. Oh, my you goodness. Oh, when you start singing, I was like, oh, thank you. Wait a minute. Does oh, that have a Do you have some music? Like, no, what? I'm a good acapella singer. Uh, what? It sounded you amazing. Like Glee. Amazing. Wow. Thank you. You have a beautiful voice. I love you, girl. <laughs> We're going to do a Christmas song or something together. We got to do something. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Truly the entertainer because that was 
amazing. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> yes, do it. Yes. I would love to do a Christmas album. Call me, sis. Oh Let's my go. gosh. L. Duncan, again, thank you, thank you. The entertainer, and now wow. that has so many Chills. layers. Chills. The host, the analyst, the singer, the ATL sports fan that goes hard, all of that. L. thank you for joining <laughs> us here on MoCo. That was lit. Love you guys. Thank you so much for having me, and um, I can't wait to come back, and I can't wait to see you in, in the ATL, Renee. You know I'm coming to a dream Let's game. You know I'm go. <laughs> Let me know. Hit my line. Let's go. I got you, boo. So Elle gives you all kinds of sports news on a daily basis, and we got our girl, Kate Cruz, giving you some hot girl news. What up, Kate Cruz? What's up, you guys? Que lo que mi gente? And welcome back to another Hot Girl News with Kate Cruz, where I'm going to be bringing y'all a quick little rundown on the most important things that have happened in pop culture. If y'all are joining us for the first time, I'm your girl, Kate Cruz. And since it's a generational thing, I'm also Serena and Renee's bad little sister. And when I say bad, I do mean bad. And by the way, thank y'all for the love on Twitter. I actually don't have Twitter, but I do have IG. So follow me on Kate Cruz Beauty Official. We're gonna start off with probably one of the biggest news in pop culture right now. Gunna and Young Thug have both been arrested and charged with RICO and racketeering charges. Allegedly, it's something to do with gang activity. And listen to this, they're actually using the artist's lyrics as evidence. And there's been a lot of talk on social media asking if whether or not it's right to do so. Kourtney Kardashian has wed her boo, Travis Barker, for a third time. If y'all remember, the first time was in Vegas, but it technically didn't count because they didn't have a marriage license or whatever the case was. And Elvis was the officiant, so I thought that was pretty funny. I think it's cute that they live their like rock star dreams, actually. The second was in Santa Barbara, and the third and final one being in Portofino, Italy, Italia, you know that that's fancy. Riri has reportedly given birth to her and ASAP Rocky's first child. A baby boy, congrats to Rihanna. Baby boys are amazing. I have a son. They have so much energy that it's interesting to see what they do with it, you know? So congrats to Riri again. And there's one thing that we know for sure, that kid is gonna be cute. And you're already winning at life if Rihanna is your mother. I mean, hello. Miracle Watts and Tyler Lipley have officially announced that they are pregnant and I thought that it was so cute the video that they made so again congrats to them and that is gonna be again a beautiful ass child for the last news this is actually something that I am sad about so there's been some speculation the Migos are gonna be basically a duo I guess Quavo and Takeoff Quavo and Takeoff just released a song Hotel Lobby so I don't know if that could be like maybe a way it's not like like they need that publicity but you know what i mean like maybe a way to like push a song like bro let's have some internet beef real quick so that the song could go viral or whatever it is i don't know what i do know is that i do not want them to split up offset apparently like unfollowed um, both of them but a lot of times i don't really believe that because maybe they were never following each other from the beginning who knows maybe they're just going through something or it's a publicity stump work it out stay together and make more good music that's all i have for you today and remember to tune in every thursday to montgomery and cold pod it's a generational thing i'm talking a lot about sports but boy love will change things love will rock your world or tear your world up 
I'm happy to see that Elle found love and she said she had to wait on it. It's not, you know, sometimes you got to wait on it. And we see with this Amber Heard, Johnny Depp situation that sometimes you might think it's love and that love might not be the best for you. So what I always like to say, and it's in sports and it's in everything you do, man, you got to have a certain level of self-love that you don't let a certain standard happen to you. So if you have self-love, love yourself. If you love your team, love your team. If you want to be a fan, be a fan, but don't be a toxic fan. Basically, don't be toxic in anything you do. Moco, it's a generational thing. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy. Interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood? Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.